of Supplycast, a new podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today's guest is Pia Larson, who is Director of Procurement and Supply Chain University College London Hospitals NHS Foundation Trust. Uh, thank you for coming on the programme, podcast, whatever, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> now that we've got the name of the hospital out, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to start off with, um, a lot of people within the procurement community obviously will, will know who you are, um, but just give me a, a rough idea of how, how you are where you are. How did you get into procurement and in particular NHS procurement? Um, yeah, I guess I've had a, um, a bit of a checkered sort of route into procurement, but I started actually started off my career in IT, believe it or not, which mm-hmm. many would find... Um, a bit disturbing now that I can't actually even do very much on a computer at all. Um, so, um, but I, I worked in a local authority for some time as a project manager and I got into actually having to raise requisitions and I thought, oh, do you know what? I can do this procurement thing. Um, seems quite interesting. And um, I applied for a job in the procurement team at the local authority and um, the head of procurement at the time sort of, called me in and sort of sat me down quite seriously and said, you know, you, yeah, you don't really have any experience and, um, you know, you, your application was pretty good. And, and I was thinking, oh, and here comes the rejection, obviously. And, um, and then he said, and we'd like to offer you the job. Um, and I said, oh, that's great. And that's how I got into procurement in a, in a local authority. Um, so that was my first foray into, into procurement. And, um, but I always had a really strong desire to work in the NHS. Um, mm-hmm. I, think I, I think I was genuinely a repressed doctor. Um, yeah. and, I, and I wanted to do, when I was growing up in, you know, your sort of projects that you do at school, I'd always mm-hmm. said, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. Um, yeah. And um, so I had this really sort of strong desire to work in uh, the NHS and was lucky enough to sort of work for um, someone who had a connection to the NHS and then um, I found myself on a secondment in my first role in the Royal Free actually. Um, and as I say, the rest is history because um, I never I never left and um, and have genuinely sort of fallen in love with NHS procurement and, and it's my passion and my, you know, my sort of, my career that I connect with and, and sort of genuinely love really. Why do, why do you think why do you think you had that pull towards the NHS? Did you have some in your family who was uh, in healthcare in some way? Or no, I didn't sort of... actually. I didn't. I think it was just a sort of interest in the medical profession, and um, and I think the procurement profession just in in the NHS just allows you to connect with so many different people um, mm-hmm. and be part of so many different clinical. Um, touch points, if you like, and you learn so much about the clinical services that we support, that that to me is just so fascinating that you're part of, you're actually part of that care, Mm -hmm. um, almost part of the caregiving, if you like, um, and a real meaningful part of it that allows the clinicians to do their job and, um, and, you know, you are actually sort of making a difference in that way. Um, And that to me is hugely sort of job satisfying. So... You know, there's no way, it's interesting to me, because usually, you know, when you have these conversations, 
Um, you tr you change to some degree we have, but you sort of try and sort of change it up each time and all that. But there's no question about it. The PPE situation, COVID nineteen, it looms large to such a degree that it would actually be completely wrong to kind of pretend that it's not something you have to talk about. Um, so I'm just wondering, you're obviously there. You're into some degree the eye of the storm because you're there in London. Uh, how was it? from your point of view i mean i'm guessing like people we've spoken to already on here you couldn't quite have envisaged something like this happening to this degree obviously but how do you feel i don't know what do you do you have an overriding feeling um takeaway i know it's still going on i know there's still fears of a second wave etc but do you have a takeaway at this point about how things were handled Maybe where they could have been handled better and where you think things have been handled well and people have risen to the challenge. Yeah, I guess, I guess we're sort of, um, you know, we've used the word unprecedented so many times or the, mm. the word unprecedented has been used so many times. Mm. And, and you have to sort of really genuinely connect with the fact that this is so unusual. Um, and I, I suppose, you know, with all the great benefits of hindsight, you you want everyone to have been doing their preparations and all that sort of stuff significant periods of time before they were um but there was there was no or or there, there didn't appear to be a sense that we could really predict what was going to transpire um quite rapidly um and i i guess you know my biggest my biggest take home from the whole experience is the absolute um, rising to the challenge of trust procurement teams up and down the country, trust procurement and supply chain teams up and down the country. And that to me has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, my team, um, everyone's teams across the country have just been absolutely integral to the response. And I think the importance of trust procurement and supply chain teams has really risen to the fore. Um, their importance has been absolutely so visible to trust themselves, um, to chief executives, to directors of ops, or every single person in the trust now knows the procurement and supply chain teams um, and relies on them and trusts them and, and has, has put their faith in them, I think, during this huge crisis that, you know, presented itself. And that's been, that's been fantastic. Can you think of this is a you know this is it's a bit of a down of a question, but um, can you think of a, a low point? I'm just wondering what was there a was the low point when you suddenly realised okay this is this is going to be a tough tough period. What, yeah. Was there a particular moment where you thought was there a no crap moment for you? Um, yeah, definitely. So mm. we're we're really lucky here at UCLH that we've got mm. access to some phenomenal clinical staff, as all you know big hospitals do. But we had a talk in our exec team, or we had a meeting in our exec team early March. It was probably the second week of March. And we had a presentation and a discussion with um, a consultant anaesthetist called Kevin Fong, who's quite well-known. He does a lot of stuff with NASA. Um, and he came and spoke to our exec team, and he'd obviously done a huge amount of scientific modelling around the rate uh, patients arrive into the hospital in the event of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And he drew on a flip chart, um, you know, today, and then he drew sort of intervals of days and he drew a curve as we would expect to see the rate of patients arriving into the hospital. What he drew was a sort of, you know, an steadily increasing and then an exponential right. rise. 
Yeah. And he said, in 20 days, we are going to be at this point. Um, and I came back to the office and I called the team together immediately and said, and I, you know, described what he had uh, gone through with us as an exec team and said, we are going to put our foot on the gas. We are going to, and I said, I'm going to be a little more directive with you. I'm going to be telling you what to do. This is what we're going to do. And we set out and I, you know, we wrote down exactly what we were going to do and, and off we set. Um, and you know what, that curve looked pretty similar to, to how it panned out in reality. I was going to say it was pretty, pretty yeah. accurate as well. Yeah, it was pretty so, accurate. Uh, you get an initial reaction, then you have, to de- you have to deal with that reaction and plan immediately. Uh, but was, yeah. was you shocked initially? Was you, Do you know what, Bruce? Like, I'm not going to lie, but yeah. I spent a good proportion of the first few weeks like crying daily. <laughs> right, right. Because just because, yeah. I mean, when because, I, I tell you, when I joined, when I, when I, um, I joined with HCSA and started working with them. Uh, it was it was not long into the sort of peak period. I guess it was just prior to the, it was prior to the peak. But yeah. I really got a sense of just it was very quickly. You got the sense of just how insane this was. So yeah. on a daily basis, you were really emotionally, I suppose, struggling with it. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, and I'm not you know I'm not embarrassed to say that at all. Yeah, I, you know, it was a yeah. really full on experience and I think you know there was lots of other things going on in people's personal lives and um, you know for me that was my parents are in effect sort of in Australia and you know not imminently coming back. Um, Myself my partner didn't see three of our kids for eight weeks because we were working so hard and um, you know they were staying with their other parents. Um, You know people were dealing with really a lot of different factors and then the responsibility on us as procurement directors mm. across the system, I, I, I sort of, I almost want to say it felt like it was the most responsible job in, um, and pe- other people have described it to me like that, yeah. you know, my colleagues around the hospital were like, Pia, you've got the most important job at this point, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, that's not my own sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, assessment of my own self-importance, but, you know, there yeah. was this huge amount of responsibility uh, on all of us to to protect our clinical colleagues and and when you don't necessarily know what that plan is or how you're going to enact that you know every day um, you know that can be you know it's quite emotionally draining and stressful. Can I can I ask you how much did once the media picked up on this as, as well of course and they should do because obviously it was a major issue how much did you feel added pressure because of the media coverage? You know, every day on the news, every day in the papers, it's PPE this, PPE that. And of course, to uninitiated people, yeah. they're not quite sure where the problem's coming from. They're not sure whether it's you guys or whether yeah. it's the manufacturing. And at the time, they didn't. And obviously, like, you know, a large part, you know, which I think has been good now, is that I think people have a better understanding of where you guys, you know, sit, in, sit into the whole scenario but um, did the media or did that add to the whole pressure the fact that if you I guess it was hard to escape PPE wasn't it in a I think it was more sort of um you know watch and observe the media um yeah. it was interesting some of my colleagues you know my clinical colleagues would be texting us um or texting me or emailing me thanking me and the team for what we were doing yeah. and it, and in some instances they were saying I know you're getting a bit of a rough time of it at the minute right. And by that, I think they meant the media. Yes, um, I think they probably did. 
And, and then interestingly, I sort of thought, oh, no, it's no, we're being so well supported. You know, everyone's, you know, really supportive of what we're doing. So, so I guess in that respect, I didn't feel that was an added pressure. We were just yeah. focusing on what was going on at UCLH and, and had huge amounts of support and, um, and good goodwill, I think, from, from everyone across the organisation. So I didn't feel that was a negative, mm-hmm. um, a, a negative impact on us. So obviously there's a lot, something that's occurred to me is just how many, you know, as there isn't anything that is in theory supply chain logistics related or whatever, there's a lot of moving parts in the whole process of, of making sure that, you know, the PPE was, there was enough of it coming into the right places and all, and what have you. Did you always feel that you were getting the right clarity and support from the centre in general? Did you always feel the... I mean, oh, no, that's, a tricky, that's a tricky question. <laughs> but it's, I guess I think it's always more about clarity when it comes to things like that more than anything, more than kind of I mean, support's a kind of a woolly term. But I think clarity is always important. I think you've got to know, right, this is what's, you know, in any situation. I guess everyone was learning yeah. in a way, weren't they? Because, because as we say, that, that our favourite word, unprecedented. So everyone was learning on a job. And I guess that includes literally everybody is learning mm. on a job. Did you feel that it was a learning process for everyone? Yeah, I, def- I definitely think that everyone had absolutely the right intention and, you know, they they're, they're absolutely were focused on getting the job done, job done well. I think the tricky thing is actually, li- you know, linking back to the other question, there was so mm. much media activity that I think that created a challenge for everyone in order to be able to be quite transparent actually so you know that yeah, that sure, actually it, it sounds you know it's actually counterintuitive in, in lots yeah. of ways more transparency can lead to less media more media coverage leads to less transparency you know yeah. it, it becomes a bit of a vicious circle i guess but i guess i saw everyone very well intentioned and really trying their best to to do the right thing but such a complex a hugely complex um situation and none that we ever sort of dreamed of, I don't think, in terms of the scale of that complexity, because, you know, obviously, you know, the, the whole system, in effect, was trying to get PPE out to every single, not just trust, but out to small locations, GPs, you know, uh, um, social care and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge logistical challenge that yeah. wasn't in place before, um, that infrastructure wasn't in place before. So I kind of, you know, I do, I do get it and I'm, not suggesting it's easy, but I guess my sort of one of my take homes from this is that you know there were huge problems with demand and supply, and by that mm. I mean lots, lots and lots of demand. Yeah. Um, trying to manage that supply and match the demand and supply, and probably the biggest sort of um, challenge that I observed was that visibility and right. supply chain visibility, which we all would like to aspire to in yeah. every day that was cha- re- really challenging. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if we had, if there was better visibility, then you make different sure. demand decisions, I think. And that's probably something that we would look to improve in the future. Do you think, just because you mentioned the future, do you think whether it is, you know, second wave of COVID, if it comes, you know, hopefully it won't, I mean, in a meaningful sense, yeah. um, or whether it's the winter flu, obviously on the horizon and, and that. I mean, we did a, HCSA did a poll on the Twitter account and the, the concerns about winter flu on the horizon came out significantly on, on top as key concerns at the moment. Are you, are, you, are you confident 
that already lessons have been learned and everything's placed a bit better to deal with, say, a second wave or winter flu? Yeah, I, I, I think so, yes. And I think we feel, I think our response, and I, you know, I know many, all the trusts have responded absolutely brilliantly. I think inevitably in that you learn huge amounts by doing it. And we certainly are in the process of pulling together our planning around whether or not we have to stand up in effect a major incident response again. And, and I'm, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident about that. I think we've got better assurance. I think there's, you know, I'm getting better noises about sort of national stock levels and these sorts of things. And, and of course, I think many trusts, if not all trusts have got some contingency that they would be, you know, holding uh, to a degree. And that I think is realistic. And, you know, I feel confident that we certainly will be able to respond again if we unfortunately have to stand that up. Okay. Um, so just finally, before we, 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 we ease on out with some like fluffier stuff, obviously, as I said, you, you was there in to some degree, the initial either storm because you was there in London. From talking to other people in other parts of the country and all that, what did you feel with the, was there anything particularly regionally? To London that you felt was uh, that gave you an, that was an extra wrinkle for you in dealing with um, the whole PPE thing in the peak of COVID. Um, I've got to say that I think London worked absolutely brilliantly together. Mm -hmm. We had daily calls right, you know, across the whole period, and I think historically London might have been described as uncollaborative. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe not as collaborative as other areas. Yeah. And I've got to say, everyone was so collaborative. If anyone needed anything, there was no questions asked. People mm -hmm. were helping each other out. Um, you know, we all, we've known each other quite a number of years, most of us. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is, is that there were lots of people who stepped into the PPE world. And actually, they were really good at, you know, pulling it together, I think, yeah. in terms of, you know, helping and assisting and mm -hmm. you know we've got colleagues from all parts of the nhs who and we still meet now once a week um, yep. so that's still going on but i've got to say i think that and we worked really closely with supply chain um yeah who actually did a fantastic job for london i think they were brilliant for london i can't comment necessarily on, on the other regions we're so focused yep. here but yeah i think yeah we had huge amounts of patience we had huge demand but between us all um and this infrastructure that was set up, I think it was fantastic. You know, I, I can't cause fault, I can't call fault on it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think allowed us to manage with all the, you know, very significant numbers of patients um, yep. that we saw very rapidly. So yeah, I, th I think we've got a lot to be proud of in London actually. Okay, that's a nice positive note. I'm gonna, yeah. now I'm gonna, I'm gonna move you into the, 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 the fluffy denouement of the podcast, if that's my <laughs> oh, call. And um, so I've got the two questions. As I always say, I wouldn't like to be put on the spot like this, but you know, hey, I'm hosting the podcast. So, <laughs> um, so, um, so the first question I like to ask is, and I know it's, uh, we, we, we had a brief chat before we started recording, and I know that, that I, I, you know, maybe it's been running through your head in the background while you <laughs> But um, so the first question is, 
if you're, you're living in a parallel universe where you're only allowed one album to listen to yeah. for the rest of the life, you're giving it, a, you know, there's your album uh, and there's your film for the rest of your life, just one yeah. of each. What is the album? Oh, God. Um, as I said, I've got much eclectic music tastes, yeah. um, Bruce, but I think if I had to have one song, um, I'm yep, gonna yep. I'm gonna give a bit of a curveball because people might think I might be a bit into I don't know indie pop or something. Right. Um, I'm gonna go with um, a classical song, Packerbell's Canon. Yep. So quite a famous song, yep. and my film only because I watched it fairly recently, but A Star Is Born. The recent Which, one, the most recent one. The most recent one. Yep. Yep. Loved it. Um, made me cry. It's not a particularly uplifting film in many ways. But <laughs> yeah. It, did it cheer you up during the PPE? Yeah. If that movie cheers yeah. you up, then you know something's probably quite <laughs> yeah, you know sad. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. and, and just quickly, just the, uh, the, the song that you picked, what, what was the reason for that? Is it connected um, to something or...? Well, I did, I, I did learn to play the piano as a child, um, mm. gave it up because I didn't have the commitment to do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I couldn't even have the commitment to start it, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always wanted to be able to play Packerbell's Canon, but still can't. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I listened to it the, for the rest of my life, I'd learn how to play it on the piano. <laughs> well, good, good luck with that. I wish you all the best with that. Hopefully you'll Thank be able you. to... Uh, <laughs> Put it out at some Christmas party in the future. Be able to tickle the ivories if we're ever. Oh God, I don't know about that. <laughs> ever allowed to meet in groups again in person? Um, okay, well, thank you for joining me, uh, Pia. Uh, that was this episode of Supply Cast, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Are you listening next week? Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Grace.